Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Father, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, as we light this candle and, Lord, the other candles, our desire is just that, Lord, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, remind us of what hope is. Remind us, Lord, that because of you and your work on the cross, in your resurrected life, Lord, that we might walk in a newness of life. But remind us this morning. Jesus, we ask, Lord, that the work that you're doing in the, in the, in the minds and hearts of, of us this morning, even as we just sang and, and worship, Lord, we know your spirit is working. So, Lord, we just ask, continue to speak to us, continue to craft and mold us into your image. Lord Jesus, we ask this this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, uh, worship team and Corey, for that reading and lighting of the candle this morning. I always say this, but I mean it. It's always a pleasure to come here and to worship with you guys and gals. Uh, you know, uh, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Uh, yeah, amen. And uh, it's, it's, it's always just a powerful thing. It never gets old. Every week's new. God shows up in new ways. I know in my heart and life, as I lift him high, and, and whether it's worshiping in song or in fellowship or in his word, um, it's good. God's always at work. Praise him. Isn't that awesome? Well, hey, my name is Matt. Uh, if, you have, if you're new here this morning, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I'll be sharing God's word this morning with us. We've been in a series uh, of Advent. We've had four weeks. This is our fourth week, so we're kind of uh, we're kind of closing, if you will, the, the jar or we're putting a lid on the box of our four-week Advent series. But uh, I, I just remind us, like, we, we don't want to, cl- whenever we end a series, I hope we can get this in our heads, we don't want to close up the box and put it on the shelf and say, oh, that was a great series. Time to just put it on the shelf and move on to some new waters, right? We want to, we really want this just to be an end of a new beginning. You know, we pray that as we've gone through different things, themes this Advent, I pray that you guys have had some things to absorb, and I pray that it's just the beginning of, 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 of new things. Anyways, if you haven't been with us, I'm not going to cover everything, but we do have a podcast, okay? Go back three weeks ago, listen to what we talked about in our first theme of waiting. We talked about what does it look like for us as a people of God to wait on God. We looked at that. Uh, we looked at anticipation. What, what does it look like for us to be a people who anticipate the work of God uh, coming as they did anticipate uh, Jesus' first advent and his first coming? Uh, we talked about that. We talked last week. Toby uh, talked to us about Jesus' coming and the purpose behind and in and around Jesus' coming. Uh, powerful message last week about the, the just foundational truths of, of why the gospel exists, why Jesus came, why he died, why he rose again, and what that means for us today. Uh, listen to it. Listen to these messages if you've missed. Uh, but this morning, we're, we're going we're gonna to jump in. We have our final week of hope. And as you heard the reading there, you know, hopefully you're starting to kind of grab your mind around, okay, hope, what is it? What, what's this all about this week? Well, as we know, as Jesus came, we as believers, we, we have tremendous hope. 
Okay, and it, it, that's kind of like a, well, duh, you know, we know this. But do we really understand what hope is? As I began to kind of know I was going to be speaking on this and kind of put thoughts together to, to share, and I, I, I thought, well, I started thinking, well, what? I know we all understand hope. It's been something that we, it's a word that we use in, in church and in society pretty much equally. You know, you can hope for a new puppy or you can hope for a new car. Or you can hope for health issues to go away or you can hope for, you know, what, what, what God's going to do in the valley or what God's going to do in his kingdom or what, what he promises to do. So hope can have a lot of different contexts. And as I started thinking about, okay, what is hope? The Lord was like, man, I don't know if you quite grasp what I want you to grasp about what hope is all about. And so I encourage us this morning, uh, I believe God's got some things to say to us so that we can, one, understand hope, where it came from, how it affects us, and how it, how it on a daily basis can actually change the way we live and exist, even, even how we experience life. Um, and so I, I pray we're not just kind of, oh, message on hope, heard thousands of them, turn off, right? I think God has, has some new, fun, uh, fresh things to talk about hope uh, to us. Um, so what do we hope for? What, what, if I were to ask you real quick, hey, what, what, what is hope to you? If, if, if we were, in, a, in fact, I did this in the first service. There we go. Ah, 33 old age, getting to me. Pretend, I want to pretend that you guys, were, we're just in a living room right now, okay? We're just chitting, chit-chatting, shooting the breeze, kind of getting ready for Christmas, and we just happen to have a conversation. Hey, what's hope? Well, what would you say in the context of, of a living room or a coffee shop chat? What would you say in a sentence or two? What, what is hope to you? Any s- salvation? Definitely. What's that? A promise from God. Okay. Yep. Yeah, a ch- knowing that there may be a change coming, even if we're in a, maybe some bad things going on or whatever, that there's a change coming, Jason says. Yeah, I heard someone else. I think, anyways. Maybe I was just hearing voices. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. It's not up on the screen. Okay, yeah. A desire or an expectation for things to come, and, and definitely... That, that can be in the context of a lot of things, but, you know, for us, you know, in the context of the things God has promised, that he said, hey, this is going to happen, this is coming, yep, okay. Anyone else want to, and I don't think there's any wrong answers this morning. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, Matt's saying, uh, you know, hope to him is, 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 boy, it's not up to me. And that, that to me is, that's hope. It's not up to me. It's about God's strength and God's doing. I, I asked this question just for us to kind of get our juices flowing, okay, into, into this concept of hope. Well, as I began to get my juices flowing in terms of this, I was thinking a little bit, and God kind of led my mind to, to, to drift a little bit into the, the original, when God created the world, right? We all know this. We all know the story of Genesis. Maybe we don't. Well, God created the world, if you don't know. Uh, six days, there were six days of creation. He did different things on every day, and he spoke the world into existence. Some people believe he kind of sang it into existence, which that would be kind of neat, right? He kind of spoke, sang. Anyway, so 
he, you know, he, he makes, makes the world. I'm not going to get into all that. But on the sixth day, he makes us. He makes human. He makes Adam and Eve, and, and he blesses them. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, he comes to this kind of moment at the end of creation, and it kind of pauses. I, I feel like everything just kind of paused as God, as God looked upon his creation. He stops and he says, behold, this is very good. And in the context of what he means by that good, I think our English language does a horrible job at translating that. I think God's like, everything is perfect. Everything is sound. Everything is working together perfectly. This is glory. It's glorious. Perfection. Okay? Now, put your thinking caps on, okay? Go go here with me. In that moment, say you're Adam or Eve. In that moment when God says, hey, behold, everything is perfect. Everything is glorious. Everything is good. Was there a need in that moment at the end of creation, before sin enters into the world, was there a need for Adam and Eve to have any hope in anything? No. Yeah, it's kind of a rhetorical question. Yeah, they, they, they didn't need to have hope in anything. They had it all. They had they had God. They had perfection. They were, they were in harmony with, with creation. They were in harmony. The garden was lush and fruit was just growing. And Adam's naming the animals. He's probably riding elephants, loving life. Like they had nothing to hope for. It, it was all there. But we know the story continues, okay? And for, maybe some of you don't know. Two chapters later in Genesis, as the story progresses, we don't know how much time goes by, but there's a season of time of this perfection and glory. And, and, then, and then Adam and Eve, they, they sin against God, okay? They sin against God, and it causes a separation between humanity or, or Adam and Eve at that point, just them two, but it causes a separation between God and man, and sin comes into the world, and a lot of stuff happens because of that, not just separation of humans between God and man, but creation gets all messed up. Everything gets all jumbled, and blah, you know, animals are now eating each other, and it's just a chaos, right? Okay, so sin comes into the world, and it's there, it's right here in that moment as sin comes into the world that we experience, Adam and Eve, they experience this desperate state for the first time of imperfection, of, of, of the opposite of glory, of destruction or imperfection. And then in Genesis 3.15, we have that, that promise that we've read the last few weeks, the promise of, uh, of God saying, hey, but through this woman's seed, th- there's going to come a redeemer. There's, com- there's, there's going to come a Messiah. I'm going to step into creation and set things straight, right? And that's the first time hope, the concept of hope was, was introduced to, to humankind. Hope is a big deal for us as humans to have a grasp on and to live by. Hope, if I were to define it, as I kind of thought through, and I think we've covered this, and this is just, just some words on the screen. I think it you can't encompass it in one sentence, but hope is a deep longing, a, a, a deep longing, something that's within us, the deepest part of who we are, possibly, longing and desire for glory or perfection to be restored. And sometimes that can look funny. I think of my, my kids for Christmas morning. You know, Alea's hoping for a new bike, and she's not in here. She, she's, get, she's getting one, so yeah. But, you know, but she's hoping right now. It's just a hope. She's like, man, I hope 
that I get this. And, and in her little brain, like, like that bike is in some way perfection, you know, some way like a, a piece of perfection or a piece of glory that she doesn't have right now, right? So, so, so this, this context works in many different ways, you know, in simple things. We hope for different things. And then, and then it can also uh, kind of apply to deep, maybe some deep things, right? Like, boy, I hope, I can't wait to see my grandfather someday in heaven again. Hope to see him. I can't wait to see him. You know, or whatever it may be, but, but hope can have a lot of different contexts. And it's this deep longing and desire for glory and perfection to be restored. Because we as humans were created, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, I believe it says that eternity was, like when, we were, when God created us, eternity was placed in our hearts. In the hearts of man, God placed eternity in our hearts. So, and even, even when sin comes and sin came and we come into this world of sin, it doesn't mean it changes our, our desire and longing for perfection and for glory, right? That's why this life is just sometimes difficult and why we need to understand hope. So as we jump in, God was asking me this week a lot, a question. Matt, what do you hope for? And I ask you to think through that this morning as we, as we chat about some of these things. What are you hoping for in life from God? What states of imperfection are in our lives right now, whether emotionally, spiritually, physically, what imperfections are we like lacking and, 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 and are looking going, boy, I hope for glory in this area or glory or perfection in this area. And I just encourage you to be thinking through this as we get rolling. You know, if I were to, if I were to have each of you write down a couple of these imperfection things in your life that, that you wish were changed, that you wish had more glory or wish were, were perfect, honestly. You know, when we hope for things, we're actually hoping, I just want things to be perfect. Um, if I were to ask that, we, we would have 150 different things going on, right? All of our different lives, different minds, different circumstances, different things going on. Uh, We'd have different things that we're suffering through and going through. Uh, But this morning, where I want to go is even though I know we have unique, our own things that are going on that we're working through with the Lord, there are some things today that we share in common that I know for a fact each of us struggle with. For a fact. And we're just going to, there, there's probably more than three, but at least with our passage this morning, um, we're going to unfold and, and kind of unpack three of those, I think, and maybe three, three biggies, if you will, three biggies that we'll always be dealing with and always be needing hope through. So I've titled today's message, Our Hope of Glory, Hope Amidst the Imperfections of Life. Um, we're going to be looking into the book of Romans. Would you turn to Romans with me? Uh, chapter 8, and we'll be beginning in verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, and I'm going to go ahead and pray while you guys turn there. Lord Jesus, again, we pause, and, and Lord, it would behoove us if, if we didn't just stop and bend the knees of our hearts and our minds to you, surrendering and say, Lord Jesus, if you don't speak, if you don't, 
communicate. If you don't do a work this morning, this is all for naught. So Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit in us, would you illuminate your word to us, God, in each, in each one's mind and heart this morning. And Lord, we're dependent on you to, to, to hear your voice and to change us um, this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to begin in verse 18 here. Um, uh, we know Paul's writing to a church in Rome. This is the early, early church. Uh, he unpacks, if you've ever studied the book of Romans, there's just a boatload. It's a great book. Um, and uh, he, he comes to chapter 8, and he's unfolding some things about hope for us. Uh, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fructility, not willingly, but because of him who should subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We'll pause there for a moment and brings us to our first point this morning, which is this. There is hope amidst our daily toils. There's hope amidst our daily toils. Now, at first glance, it, it may seem, and there is, there's a lot going on here. Paul, Paul is explaining some things that happened to creation upon the, the, the sin coming into the world. And, and there's, there's more here in this passage that, than I'm going to be able to cover right now. But in our context this morning, there is hope in the midst of our daily toils. What do I mean by this? Well, if we, if we take what Paul is saying here, talking about creation was subjected to fertility. What, what, what's, he ta- what, what's that talking about? Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. I think we can kind of piece some of that together. For we know, verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, the pains of childbirth. What's, what's going on here, Paul? Well, keep your fingers in Romans. Hey, we're going to come back. But, but jump back to, to, to uh, uh, Genesis with me real quick. I, I want to point this out this morning, and I want you to see it. Genesis 3, chapter 17. As you turn there, so again, it kind of picks up where we left off just a moment ago when we were talking about God creates the world, sin comes into the world, there's this imperfection, this, this separation, and, 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 and just mayhem going on in creation, just anything. And we come to verse 17. And in the midst of all this, God comes and he, he speaks this to Adam. Verse 17. And to Adam, God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of, the, of, which, I comi- of, of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Listen here. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field. Verse 19. And Adam, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken for your dust, and to dust you shall return. Just before these these verses, God also came to Eve, remember? And and he said, hey, Eve, you know, because of all this, now you're going to be in pain with childbirth. It's going to be painful. 
and you're going you're gonna to have to love your husband. And it's going to be a hard task for you as well. And to Adam and Eve, he's basically telling these guys, hey, things are hard now. Now that sin's entered this world, this is hard. It's hard work to live and exist in the world. In the context of, of back then, the, the, the garden, right? You had, you had trees, these fruit trees that would just grow. And I, I can just picture the soil as Adam before sin came. I, I picture Adam, you know, if he needed to do work in the ground, I, I just picture him like dipping his hands deep into this just fluffy soil and nice and moist and just pulling it back and planting whatever he needs to plant for the garden and, and things just growing and just, you know, rain just coming or whatever, whatever. Maybe no rain yet, the dew coming from the ground or whatever it was then. And, you know, I just, I just picture it was just this perfect harmony of environment and then we have sin coming, causing this, again, more than just the separation of our, our sins. That was a huge part of it, but it, it caused some chaos in creation. It was subjected to fertility. Okay? It was subjected to it. It got cursed. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. Now, 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 thorns and thistles that may not have existed before, we don't know, but it, it seems like they may not have even grown anything like that. But now, thorns and thistles, you're going to have to deal with these things, guys. The ground's going to be hard. You're going to have to make shovels and, and equipment to dig into the soil. And, and it's hard, and it's hard work. And by the sweat of your face, the sweat of your mind's work, you know, your emotional work, toil, toil, toil. If I could just paraphrase, God's just saying, hey, it's tough to exist in this world now. It's hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I remember for me as a, as a young kid, I, I, I caught wind of this reality. Um, as a young kid, my, my dad was a, is a plumber and heater. He had his own business in plumbing and heating. And um, uh, he started his own business when, I, I can't remember, when us boys were Oh, four, two, and one or something like that. And he started his own business. Anyways, I remember when I was about five, when I was able to kind of understand tools and I was so excited to work with my dad and on the weekends or whatever, if he got called out to a no heat call or something to someone's house, I'd love to jump in the van with him. But I remember as I, as I got older, you know, as I got 12 years old into middle school, I, I remember when I would go to work with my dad, I remember sitting back in some, some of the context, whether he was cleaning a furnace and, and, and this was in Maine, so we had oil-burning furnaces. You ever cleaned out an oil-burning furnace? Black. He comes out looking like a, looking like a coal worker, okay? Uh, we'd be sweating pipe in this zero-degree of weather while this, you know, this baseboard heat got frozen. There's leaks everywhere, and I'd be shutting the main water off, and he's like, hey, quick, shut it off. You know, he's like getting sprayed with hot water, you know, whatever. I just remember thinking, boy, my dad, he works so hard. Man, he works so incredibly hard. And he does it every day. Sometimes seven days a week. And I remember, you know, growing up in the church, hearing messages about some stuff. And I just remember thinking, boy, it's true what God was saying to Adam. It curses the ground. You're, you're in sweat. You're going to be... You, living is not easy now. Do you guys know that it never should have been that way for us humans? I mean, we, we were always made to work. I think God always wanted us to work and to, to, to feel good about working hard and to use our minds and to be creative. And, you know, I think the things we've done today is, is phenomenal. I think God smiles at our innovations and industries and the way we work. And, but I think we were never made to 
to, to have those days where, where so, I know some of you can just relate where your where days are just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to work again because I hate it. We weren't made to deal with that, okay? We weren't made to deal with that. It's hard to work and live and exist in this world. I remember myself personally experiencing this, different, different jobs I've had in the past, and, and even today, you know, job as a pastor, emotional and, and energy that we, that we put into, and oh, people are imperfect people, people, like, ah! Sometimes it's just like, it's hard, okay? But I remember specifically when I started knowing this for myself, I was working as a maintenance director at Spring Ridge Park. It's on the front range. It was a nursing home. And uh, boy, I, it was a lot of work. There was a, the facility was an old 1940s building that was just old steam b- boiler that would steam, steam into radiators. What a mess, okay, for a maintenance director here. Anyways, about... A year or two into this job, I worked there for five years, by vocation. I was a worship pastor along with it. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple years into this, I, 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 you know, I, I was in my, my own context, different no heat calls and stuff coming in. I was on call all the time. And I remember specifically crawling into a crawl space, and, and the crawl space went to about from this. And, and as I crawled in, crawled in, crawled in, crawled in, oh boy, good thing I'm kind of little, right? So I, I could fit. I mean, how do you get to those pipes? Oh, gracious sakes, didn't have to go through the floor. Anyways, I just remember sweating copper pipe, getting hit with water, and, and trying to drain the water of the pipe so I could properly sweat and, and solder it, and just, just a mess sometimes. Like, ah, and just going, gosh. And I, I remember this, like, yeah, this is what it is. But is it? But is it? I submit to us that there's hope amidst this reality. There's a freedom, Paul says, back, if you come back to Romans 8 here, it says, For the creation sure was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope, Paul says, that the creation itself, this curse, this, this, this whole mayhem of stuff going on, will be set free from its bondage and corruption to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. I believe there's hope amidst this. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, he accomplished not just dying for the sins of the world, though that was his point, but in dying for the sin of the world, he also died for all of the effects of sin, okay? And part of the effects of sin was this curse in the earth, okay? And we know someday, okay, we, we're kind of in between the advents of Christ, and we, 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 we know this. We have Jesus' first coming where, where he deals with sin as a suffering servant. He comes and kind of steals the keys back from the enemy, so, so to speak. He reclaims the kingdom. And then we have our second coming advent, yeah, where he comes as conquering king. Not a suffering servant. He's going to come, conquer, and set things straight, Right? And in Revelations 21, we won't, we won't turn there with, with our time this morning, but Revelations 21 and 22 speak to what this second advent's going to look like, his coming and, and what he's going to usher in and what, what, what the new creation, it talks about a, a new heavens and a new earth, back to what it originally was. And there being, in Revelation 22, it talks about there being a river 
that, that runs through the middle of this city, this new Jerusalem or whatever that city is, this new earth, this, this new citizenship. And there's this river with, with the tree of life on either side of the banks. And the tree of life, it says it, it, it sprouts 12 different types of fruit. I can't wait to eat some of that stuff, you know? And I can just picture, you know, I believe that we're all going to be working still, doing stuff like feeling good about abilities that we can bring to society and like working together, but, but it's not going to be in this, gosh, I'm fed up with work. It's going to be, boy, I love working. This is awesome. There's hope. There's hope. And specifically in Revelation 22.3 says, no longer, God, God says this, God says no longer will there be anything accursed. Praise him for that hope. Praise him for that hope. So this morning, if you're tired, if you're about to throw in the towel, the toils of the day is getting too much, and, and I don't want to leave people out, you know, if, if, you're, if your job, I'm not just talking vocation, I'm talking life, okay? Maybe you're retired and you don't go to work. Let me ask you guys a question. Isn't life still tough? Sometimes retirement sometimes sounds harder than working. For some of you that maybe don't go to a, a vocational job, but, but maybe you're raising a family, you're helping raising a family, or, or you're doing schooling, or you're in college, you're, you're doing things. You're, that's your job. That's your work. Maybe it's more not physical labor. Maybe it's more mental. Like you're just dealing with, with, with numbers and you're working on a computer all day. It's hard work. Whatever your context is, whatever your toil is, I pray this morning that we can take hope because there is a day coming. There's a day coming. And it's going to be gone. Paul continues. Paul continues here, verse 23. He says, And not only the creation, O church of Rome, O river of life this morning, not only for the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we too groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions of sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen, that's not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This brings us to our, our, our next thing that I think we all deal with in common. We all deal with that there is hope amidst our mortality. There is hope amidst our mortality. Read 23 with me again. Paul, again, he says, guys, not only creation, this isn't just going on with them, with it. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Let me pause. Who's that? Church? Us? Yes. Right? If we've, re, if we've bent the knee of our hearts and we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we, as we consider what he's done on the cross for us, and we consider the new life that he has for us, and we've received from him that gift of salvation, we are who Paul is talking about here. Not only creation, but we ourselves who have this first fruit of the Spirit. We grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Bill Gillum, he's a great, was, he's been on, he's he's gone to be with the Lord a couple years ago, Uh, pastor for 30, 40 years. He was a Christian counselor, uh, a psychologist, counselor um, guy, and he wrote many books, love his stuff. And I think I've pointed this book out before, but Lifetime Guarantee is a great book. He talks about 
the human body, how it works with the, the soul and spirit and how all, all that stuff works together and kind of exchange life kind of stuff, if you guys remember that exchange life conference. Anyways, in his book, Bill Gillum, when he's talking about the human body, okay, about our mortality, he quotes this, and I believe I have it for us. He says, your body, our body is the vehicle here on planet Earth that houses our soul and spirit. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8, refers to it as an earthly tent. Author C.S. Lovett has called it an earth suit, which seems a good way to describe it. It really is an earth suit. And he goes on in the chapter to explain that. He, you know, he talks about if we were to go try to survive on Jupiter, it just wouldn't work. We'd have to bring the elements of Earth's environment to Jupiter to make that work like, like we've done to the moon, if we have indeed gone to the moon. Um, anyways, uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, that wasn't in my notes. Matt, follow your notes. Okay. Um, no, so we have these earth suits, and he goes on, it's kind of funny, he goes on in this chapter to talk about, you know, and even as I'm writing this book, and, or as I'm sharing and speaking, like, my lips of my earth suit are wiggling, and my, my tongue is making these sounds in my mouth, and my, my larynx are doing vibrations, and your little, these things are weird, man, these ears, like, if you had, just, just sometimes just look at someone's ears, like, oh, that's so weird, it's a weird little thing, anyways, your ears are picking up vibrations, right, and it, it goes into your little eardrum in your brain, interprets it and on and on it goes so we have these earth suits that that we can interact with each other we can interact with the environment we're affected by weather and we need certain things and we have these earth suits well i know this is no you know this is we, we know this but our bodies from the very second we're born begins a ticking clock right tick tick of decay 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 unless in the weird case of benjamin button I don't know how he got it back. Anyways. Okay, so, so from the moment we're born into this world, our first breath, we begin this time clock of decay, sickness, disease, whatever else, physical ailments, tiredness, to eventual death, physical death, right? We, we are mortal. The, these earth suits are only sit for this earth. That's it. That's it. Death, eventual death, plague us all. And some of us, for different degrees, experience more of that at different times and different seasons in our life, depending on health issues, depending on culture issues, depending on things that happen to our bodies, you know, broken legs or things going on, accidents. You know, there's a multitude of things that can happen to our physical bodies. Our mortal bodies are breaking down. Second Corinthians, I got up on the screen here. Paul says this to this church in Corinth. He says, for in this tent, in this earth suit, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, this earth suit, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal among this may be swallowed up by life, right? Our mortal bodies are breaking down. We groan, we're burdened. I don't have to share my story here, but for some that may be the first Sunday here, I deal with this every day. My body is breaking down. I have Crohn's disease. I've had it for 12, 13 years. And I've dealt with horrible times of horrible flare-ups, and I've dealt with times where it doesn't even feel like it's doing anything to me. 
And you guys, you guys have dealt with sicknesses. You guys have dealt with things. You guys have, you are dealing with things today. We know this is the reality of our bodies. We're mortal. But there's hope amidst our mortality. Keep, keep your fingers here in Romans, but, but turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. I want you guys to see this in your Bibles or on your phones. So I just left you references up there. Underline this. Uh, verse 40, we're going to start. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40. There was some things going on in this church about the resurrection of the dead, about, hey, are we getting new bodies, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think we are. Oh, man, all the others are. So there was some squabbling. So Paul says, hey, let, 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 me, let me tell you. Being led by the Holy Spirit, Paul says this, verse 40. There are heavenly bodies, there's earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly one, uh, heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is, is of another. Kind of like there's a, one glory of the sun, there's another glory for the moon, and there's glory for the stars. For each star differs from each star in glory. Verse 42, so, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, yet what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, and it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, yet it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Jump down to verse 51 as he continues. Verse 51, Paul says, Behold, guys, guys, gals, I I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, saints, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For in this perishable, bo- for in this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that has been written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting, right? Yeah. We will have new bodies, a heavenly body, a spiritual body, a glorified body, and it's coming. And we can have hope. We can have hope. Hope amidst our daily toils, whatever that may look like for you. It's real. It's there. But there's hope amidst that. There's hope amidst this mortality, this body. I had to pause when I was kind of praying to the Lord and, and, and getting thoughts out on paper this week about this. I had to pause. I, I said, I kind of had a moment with God, I guess you could say. I said, Lord, yeah, thank you and praise, praise you that, that I can look at my toils and, and I can look at this deal that I deal with every day in my body. And I, I, I do, Lord, I praise you for the hope that I have someday. But I had a moment where I was like, Lord, I need you now. I need hope right, like, 
now because I'm in, I'm in physical pain. I need hope right now because I'm about to quit my job because I literally can't stand it. And it's breaking my family apart. You know, I need hope right now because if I have to deal with another kid throwing up, I don't think I'm going to live to see another day. You know, whatever these contexts is for us, it's real, right? We get to the end of our ropes sometimes every day and sometimes a few times a day. Well, the Lord said, well, Matt, that's why I'm not going to have you stop reading in Romans yet. Keep going. I said, okay, so let's keep reading. Let's see, we were, let's see, verse 24, we'll, we'll read from there. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hope for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Here it comes, verse 26. Now likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm just going to pause there. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Our final point this morning, and then we'll keep reading. But there is hope in our present weakness. There is hope in our present weaknesses. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not even know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He God, who searches the hearts, God knows what is the mind of the Spirit within us because the Spirit has been interceding for the saints according to the will of God. Whoa. Okay. So, as I, you know, as I read that, I mean, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory that the Spirit that dwells in a believer... Okay? Now, if you haven't placed your faith in, in Jesus Christ, if you haven't come to know him as Lord and Savior, I'm sorry, but you do not have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Just, there's a separation there still, guys. Receive him as your Lord and Savior this season, please. Know him as your Lord and Savior. And, it, and there's a promise that says that the Spirit will come and indwell you. So we as believers have the Spirit indwelling us, and it says here, I mean, you you can't read this any other way, that the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Saints is just anyone who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and has received the Spirit. That's a saint. So we're all saints here this morning if we've done that. And that the Spirit intercedes for us. Have you ever literally been in that state? Maybe you've even said this out loud to your spouse or friends or family. (sighs) I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know how to pray. You ever said that? I've said that. I've thought that. I've felt that. And I love this because even, even for we don't even know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our, I don't even know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to deal with it. The Spirit He's good to go. He's okay. He's not freaking out. He knows exactly what's going on in life. He knows exactly his task. And by the way, his task ultimately is to conform us to the image of Jesus. Okay? So he knows that task is going on and he's doing it in our life. And he's interceding to God on our behalf. Whoa. 
And that's happening right now. That's a reality. And I daily forget it. I daily forget it. I remember Jesus' words to the disciples. Um, one of his last days with the disciples before going to the cross, he's up in the upper room, had last supper, and he, and he said this, it's on the screen. He says, guys, disciples, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. Yet you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Paul, in a letter that he wrote to the church, another church at Colossae, this Colossian people, he wrote this, this, this letter to them in the book of Colossians. And you don't need to turn there. I'm, I think I got this on the screen too. He talks about this mystery that was hidden for the ages and generations and now has been revealed. And he says in Colossians 1.26, this mystery that was hidden for ages and generations but now has been revealed to his saints, to them, the, the saints God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, among you guys that are coming to know the Lord now, among these Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What does he say it is? Which is what? Christ, what? What? Let me hear it. What is he saying? Yeah, that's the hope of glory. Now, does that sound past, present, or future? Present. Paul's saying, hey, there's a mystery that, yeah, sure, it's been hidden for a long time. All the prophets had little pieces of like, oh, as God would lead, like, oh, yeah, this is going to kind of unfold in the book of Joel. You know, the Spirit's going to come and dwell. He's going to dwell in his people. Like, what does that look like? We can't even get close to the tabernacle without getting smited. You know, like, like, but, but, but Christ, it was hidden for ages and generations, but now being revealed that Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit, abides and dwells in us Present tense. Present, if you will, circumstance in your life. Present toils in your life. Present health issues in your life. Present dealing with whatever mortality, body stuff you're dealing with in your life. Present weaknesses as you deal with sin and temptation and trials and people in your life. Christ is in us. And there's hope for glory now. Christ being in us by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It is not, it is, but it's not the end of it. It is a future glory. There is future stuff to look forward to. Um, we will get new bodies. We don't have new bodies now, so we're going to have to deal with the physical things. And, and, and Jesus can heal now. We can get pieces of that future glorified body now, and we should pray for it. Let's pray for it, because he can do it in his will and in his timing. But there is a future glory, but we've got to know that that glory is now. You remember me mentoring Spring Ridge Park, that place, the nursing home I worked at for, for many years, and... Um, the context of me sweating the pipe in the crawl space. Well, I didn't finish my story quite there because, you know, I, I worked there for another four years after kind of understanding, like, this, this stinks. I don't like this job. I, this is horrible, hard work. You know, I, I, I snaked probably 200 times sewer lines 
because people would flush things they shouldn't. And, you know, I'd be snaking it, get stuff on my face. I'm like, oh, you know, it's just bad. But what, what happened? Sorry. What happened? Okay. I want us to hear this. What happened was God started to speak this into my life through the church, through people in my life. Hey, Matt, you know, hey, there's, you have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is in you. He wants to, and, and the Lord started to speak to me, Matt, what does it look like for you to go to work with me? And for you to do all these weird, crazy things that you don't like to do with me. And what if you actually do those things as if you're serving me? Okay? It's not about you. It's not about, you know, whatever. What does that look like, Matt, for you to start relating your day and walking with me throughout your day? Well, I started, okay, I allowed this, this work that the Spirit was doing as the Spirit was interceding for me and, and God was doing this work and, 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 and praise God that I, I began, I think the reason why I could do that job for the, the remainder of what I did for four or five more years was because I started to understand, man, when I go to paint that room and get it ready for the next person that's going to take that room, I hate painting rooms. But, but I would lay the tape down on the baseboard and create, you know, so I could paint and not worry about getting on the floorboard. I would do it with, with the Lord. I, I started doing it for him. And, and in that, it really started changing my perspective. And it started changing the way I felt. Now, sure, I'd have my bad days still. And sure, you know, in this, in this mortal body, we're, gonna, we're not going to ever be perfect. But there was more times than not where I would go to work with some joy because I was in step with Jesus. And I was doing it with him, and it wasn't as bad all of a sudden. I'm like, hey, Jesus, let's snake this line together. It sounds weird, but that's, that hope changed my life for me in my daily toils and in my health situation. Same thing. For the last 13 years, I've dealt with the ups and downs of physically not being able to do anything to, to being able to, you know, do all my normal hiking and stuff that I love to do to, to again, bedridden, nothing, can't do anything. And in the midst of all this, the Lord again and through his people just say, hey, Matt, there's, there's still glory that you can receive even when you're like in bed for two weeks in the hospital. There's still life that I, because I'm in you and, and I'm working this out for good. I'm doing a work and, and, you know, sure, I still have my bad days with it, but you know what? For, for the better part of some things, I, it's, it's okay because Jesus is with me through it. And I'm all right. And, and in some ways, Jesus is glorified abundantly through it. And his kingdom has come more powerfully through it. And we need to allow... The present hope, the hope of glory, Jesus Christ dwelling in us by the power of the Holy Spirit to change our perspective on our current situations. The question that I want to kind of close with is this. You know, and this is, this is, this doesn't have even to do if, you know, I mean, well, it does have to do, you know, if you've, You've got to know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's, that's, that's before this question. You've got to know him as your Lord and Savior because you don't have the Spirit dwelling in you and there's no relationship that you have with God. But if we have a relationship with God, if we've been forgiven and made righteous, okay, this is our question. Do we 
Because it's possible that the answer to this is no. Even if you know him as Lord and Savior. Do we have an ongoing, ongoing, like not in neutral, but an ongoing, living, growing, okay, getting bigger, getting deeper, intimate, vulnerable, honest, authentic, okay? Do we have an ongoing, living, growing, intimate walk with the Lord Jesus? Don't need to answer out loud. If your answer is no, I can rest assured that you are about to throw in the towel and different things going on. When I'm not doing good here, I'm ready to throw in the towel. And I do throw in the towel. My wife knows it. I give up. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't do it. And you can't either. And we don't. But if our answer, day to day, moment by moment, week by week, is, you know, yeah, I do. I, I do walk with him. I do. I do spend, you know, I don't just spend time in his word for a check off the list. I, I spend time in his word to hear from my Lord. And so I can walk with him in, in, in a new cool truth that maybe he points out to me, for me, my unique life that day, Right? Spend time in prayer on your lunch breaks or time when you're driving to work or whatever it is. You, you know, we all have time in the day. Don't tell, me, don't tell me you don't have time to walk with Jesus. Okay? I've said it before. We have time. You just, we just don't make it. Um, do we have an ongoing walking relationship with our Lord? Christmas season... Things getting busy, family coming into town, crazy traveling, snow's coming, it's cold, got to scrape our windshields in the morning, you know, these things. Toils may come, physical body ailments, you know, we're coming into our, who's had that flu bug? Holy buckets, that 24-hour thing? Wow. um, As we wrap today up, our hope of glory there's, there's imperfections in life. It, 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 it's inevitable. We have these fallen bodies. We have this cursed creation for now, and it will be made right. But in the midst of it, guys, Jesus, he really is. It sounds so Sunday schoolish to say it like this, but he is. He is. He is the God of the universe. He was the God who created. He, he was, you know, we, we can't put this all together, but in some way, Jesus was the one involved in creation. He, that that guy, this guy, God, resides and abides in us. And he can make all the difference in the world. He he can make all the difference in the world. But we need to have that relationship because if not, it's it's sitting in a a bank. We just need to deposit the check or whatever you want to call that. Pull pull it and take it for ourselves and, and walk in it. Jesus is our hope for glory. Um. So, so, Lord Jesus, we, we pause right now and we just, we ask, Lord, I pray again that, Lord, your words that I know you've been speaking into the hearts and minds of us here today, Lord Jesus, would you, oh Lord, would you plant these seeds? And God, would, would these seeds in our hearts and minds this morning be watered? Even this afternoon and this week, Lord, water these seeds of truth 
Jesus, that, that great fruit might come in our lives and that joy will fill our lives as we, as we understand and walk in hope and not just a future hope, Lord, but a, a daily present-by-present present moment hope. Jesus, you are in us. And you have strength for us to live on. You have energy to give us. You have wisdom to confide. Jesus, you have plans and purposes to use us for in your kingdom. So Jesus, continue to do your work, we ask. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me, guys, as we were approaching our Christmas weekend? We got our uh, Christmas Eve service coming up this Saturday. Again, I'm going to plug it. If you haven't, you know, grab, uh, grab an invite. I grabbed five of them because I got five neighbors that, I wanna, that I've been investing in, I've been chatting with. I want to invite them out to Christmas Eve personally. I'm going to do it, okay? Would you join us? Invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers to Christmas Eve this Saturday night. Uh, and then we do have a Sunday morning on Christmas morning, as John says, come with your eggnog mustache in your pajamas and uh, just come and enjoy uh, family time as we worship and spend time in God's word on Christmas morning. But I want to just read this, and I did this in the first service. Can we read this twice so that we get the kinks out the first time and then the second time? I just want to hear you roar it out, okay? We're all like, oh, yeah, timid. Yeah, I don't need to be timid, but we're going to read it twice as we leave today. All right, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And again, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Awesome. Hey, praise God. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you Saturday night, Christmas Eve.